I love how Adam Silver does it with feeling. I, I appreciate that for my commish. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk about this year's NBA draft is Kyle Boone from CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at KyleTheBoone. So, Kyle, I think it's safe to say we know who's going to go number one overall. But when it comes to number two and beyond, what resources and approaches do you have as your overall battle plan? Yeah, to me, I, I think there's two ways that you can approach this about who goes number two. I think there's pretty clearly right now two players that are going to be in the mix. The first is Brandon Miller, who for Charlotte at number two, I think is the presumptive pick. He's you know six foot nine. He shoots around forty percent from three. Uh, he's he's a very easily projectable wing who next to Lamelo Ball in Charlotte makes a ton of sense. So. Uh, to me, I think he's probably the favorite, the front runner to go number two. But I still think that Scoot Henderson, who I personally think as kind of a scout and analyst, is the better prospect than Brandon Miller, is is going to be in the mix here. You can't have enough ball handlers in your in your organization as as a team as you're building teams out. So I think Scoot Henderson is actually going to be in the mix here. I know that he worked out for the Hornets here recently. Um, he's one of the most explosive athletes in this class. He's a really good playmaker. I think he's a lock to go top three. And I still think people probably think, okay, well, Brandon Miller's a lock to go number two. I'd say, hold on. Like we'll, we'll just wait and see. There's, there's a lot of things I think can change in the next couple of days here before the draft. And, and Scoot Henderson to me has separated himself as, as the second best prospect behind Victor Wiminyama in this class. And to me, that is meaningful and so uh, going into the NBA draft, that's something that I'm just kind of keeping an eye on here. I think people probably have decided that Brandon Miller's going number two. I don't think it's a lock just yet. Kyle's latest mock was uh, updated two days ago, cbssports.com. Where did you, have you been getting stuck? When you, when you go through it and you update your mocks, and yeah, mm-hmm. of course, Vic and most likely Miller and Henderson, and that's where the odds are too. That, that's the expectation uh, what spot really tricks you up where you, where you keep going back and forth in your head? Oh, the, I mean, the entire mock trips me up every single time. I, <laughs> I can talk myself into like two, three, four. I'm like, I don't have any idea. I, I'm pretty confident Victor Wimanyama is going to go number one. In fact, when I went to uh-huh. Chicago last month, I, I think I bet like $5 to win like two cents on Victor Wimanyama to go number one overall. This real gen- degenerate behavior by my, by myself. Um, yeah, like two and three makes makes me trip up for sure because you don't know if it's going to be oh. Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. I think I've waffled on that several mm-hmm. times. At four, it gets really interesting. Uh, Houston is picking it four, then Detroit at five. Heard a lot of different names that could be in the mix there. I mean, Amon Thompson at number four would make a lot of sense. There's some videos uh, that circulated here in the last month that he's got like a shoulder dip in his shooting mechanics. I think that's concerning. I think teams are actually digging into that, say like, is this like actually something that we should be kind of digging into more? He's, he's going to be like a 99th percentile athlete when he steps into the NBA, like right away. He's fantastic at getting downhill. Uh, but I think there's some real concerns about his projections. So if he goes number four, wouldn't totally surprise me if he ends up slipping to like number eight in this draft. Also wouldn't surprise me. I think Detroit at number five has a number of different avenues that they could take. You know, they have two really good guards in, in Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. Do they want to go and get someone who can kind of complete this roster, like a Jarris Walker, who I think has, has gotten some buzz here? They could go and, and get a connector piece, like an Anthony Black. So 
Um, I think those teams, those franchises in particular, are going to set kind of the precedent for obviously how the, the rest of the draft will unfold. There's a lot of players that I think are going to be involved in that like four to 10 range where at the moment, I feel like you could just throw them in a hat and they could go any different direction and it wouldn't totally surprise me. Yeah, it's tough, too, because I remember last year, Paolo and Jabari, it was like they were flip-flopping every day, and it kind of reminds me um, of what we're seeing this season with Miller and Scoot. I mean, Miller was 9-1 to one to go number two overall like a month ago, and now he's minus 250, and it feels like every day things could keep changing. So I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, what do you think um, in terms of draft position where Grady Dick will go because he's also one of the best shooters in this draft. So what's your overall assessment of Grady Dick and his potential here? Yeah, I, I think there's a pretty solid range on, on where Grady Dick could go. Um, people think of Grady Dick and I think you just mentioned it. Like he's a, he's a great shooter, but, but I talked to him at the combine. I'm like, what do you, what do you think about like how people view you as a shooter? And he's like, I think it's a compliment, but like, it's also an insult at the same time because he is so much more than just a shooter. Like he's a really good transition player. He's like weirdly athletic for, for being like just a, a tall white guy basically. Um, and so mm -hmm. like his, his ability is, uh, is I think probably understated just a little bit. I think he's one of the most complete uh, wing players in this draft. He's very competitive. Reminds me a little bit of Christian Brown who came out of Kansas a year ago and, and was a really key piece for the Denver Nuggets, who just won the, won the NBA title. So yeah, I, I think his range is, is probably going to start around 10, um, which is Dallas. Uh, if, if a team is looking, you know, Dallas mm. is a team that I think is in kind of win-now mode. They, they want to add some pieces around Luka Doncic, obviously. Grady Dick mm -hmm. checks a lot of boxes. He's someone who could be a really good spot-up shooter and would fit in, to me, I think, as like an immediate kind of plug-and-play piece. Um, I think there are some specific teams in the lottery that may not be looking towards Grady Dick. So it almost has to be like an, a Dallas or it has to be, you know, like a, a New Orleans at 14. If, if he doesn't go somewhere in, in one of those spots, I could see him actually slipping a little bit. But I, I think probably uh, the over-under on, on where he goes, like I think he's going under 14 and that's probably – um, duh. But I, I think if he ends up going like mm -hmm. 10 on draft night, wouldn't totally surprise me. As far as the order for the first round, San Antonio, we know what they're doing. Then you have Charlotte, yeah. Portland, Houston, Detroit, Orlando. Any possibility that another team might trade up uh, to grab uh, one of the more highly coveted prospects? And if so, how would that impact your mock? Yeah, I, I think from a mock perspective, it wouldn't totally change things. I think the order of the draft, the order in which players are going to be selected, are for the most part probably locked in. Um, the only thing that would change is who is making those selections. You know, there's there's been some reports this week from Sean Sarania who who reported, I think, that, uh, that New Orleans, the Pelicans, may be interested in, in making a move up to potentially get in a spot to draft Scoot Henderson, but well, we just talked about Scoot Henderson, a guy who I think will will clearly be a top three pick in this class. Mm -hmm. So they're gonna they're gonna have to give up probably a lot to get into that range. I don't think it's gonna change necessarily the draft order, though. You know, I, I think Victor Wimanyama, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson in that order most likely uh, is is how things gonna go. So you know whether it's the Pelicans making a move up to 
to land a Scoot Henderson or let's say Toronto picking at 13 decides, hey, we really like Anthony Black and we know he's not going to be available at 13. Let's move up to, let's say, six and see what it takes to get there. Uh, that would make a lot of sense too. But again, I, I think you're talking about like the the order in which prospects go is largely going to stay the same. It's just a matter of like which franchise is going to end up making those picks. Uh, Kyle, I was looking at the player draft positions that are available to bet on overs and unders. For the most part, you're mm-hmm. you're pretty close to some of the numbers that are posted with your latest mock. But uh, one difference that did stand out is Keontae George. The over-under mm-hmm. is 13.5 plus 175 to the under. Uh, with that 13.5 number, you have him going 8 to Washington. Why are you so high on him? Yeah, this dude is basically like a Brad Beal clone. And so it makes a lot of sense that, hey, Washington picking at number eight, um, they they tend to like players like that. Obviously, Bradley Beal has been wildly successful for the Wizards. Um, Keontae George is someone who like has a great background. He's a former five-star recruit, really starred at, at Baylor last season and put up huge numbers. But from a efficiency, efficiency standpoint, I think there's some concerns there. Um, he switched agents several times um, I think people in general maybe from an outsider's perspective think okay well he could be kind of difficult to work with um, but he athlete wise like he is a, he's a great athlete he's he's very explosive watched his pro day at the combine um, in Chicago some some two-handed finishes kind of dunking above the rim that I think really impressed scouts and decision makers and, and in general this is someone who can be, can be kind of like a combo guard. He can he can create his own shot. He can he can be his own facilitator and create for others as well. So, um, just in general, kind of his his prospect profile checks a lot of boxes for me. Um, there, I think there definitely are some some red flags, and I think probably why he won't be a, a clear top five pick in this class. But he he seems like a guy who who teams if they bring him in for a workout and see what he can do, see his skill set. Um, he's going to end up, I think, going higher than than maybe people expect. So I am a little bit higher on him than consensus. I do like the the under there. I, I think he could end up going in the single digits on draft night just because, you know, when teams are are picking when they're on the clock, I think a lot of teams are thinking, let's just let's just swing for the fences. Let's go with the highest upside. And I think Keontae George has legitimately all-star potential. And that's really, really hard to find, especially if you're picking in like the 7 to 14 range. Um, of, of this draft. So he's a, a really appealing prospect for a number of different reasons. Do you find that betting on the NBA draft uh, is, you know, exciting for betters? Cause maybe it's a little bit more predictable. Whereas like the NFL, you've got all these positions and some teams are drafting for need and some are doing best player available. And like, you're trying to like decipher all the different news, you know, pieces coming out. Like where, where do you like to find an edge? You know, when you bet the NBA draft, what are some of your favorite ways to bet it? Yeah, yeah, I I think the market is like so sharp and 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 probably I follow the NFL draft closer than probably I should to like the the props market. So like any any type of like oh this dude tweeted something something like oh well the the prop just moved like okay. Um the NBA draft prop market isn't like quite that sharp, but it's like pretty on the spot and I I tracked it last year and I was like slightly above you know hitting above 500 but it's really it's really hard so you know I follow basically every every team report about who's who's bringing who in for a workout 
Um, I try to read every single, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski piece from, from ESPN, try and read the tea leaves, mm-hmm. but also just kind of be realistic about like, okay, well, you know, the Charlotte Hornets have uh, LaMelo ball. Are they really going to take Scoot Henderson? Like, I actually think the answer is like, they definitely could, but if you're, if you have conviction, like why would they take another ball dominant guard at number two, there is an edge there. So it's almost like a, mm-hmm. if, if you think you know better and you have confidence, play like you're right, you know, play like, you know, okay, if I'm the GM of, of the Hornets and, and I'm pretty confident that they probably lean Brandon Miller because fit wise, he makes a lot of sense. Like, I think there's an edge there and just being confident and, and probably there's a line between uh, being confident and just being an idiot uh, and, and <laughs> just not being in the know and uh, like hand up. I'm, I'm probably more often in the uh, being an idiot category, but <laughs> Uh, but certainly I think you want to play with some confidence and just, if you're following the markets closely, um, I, I think there probably is some edge there. It does seem like pretty much with any professional sport, it can very well be a copycat league. And so the Denver Nuggets win the championship largely with homegrown talent. Now it mm-hmm. may be something where other teams are saying, you know what, maybe we shouldn't focus on free agency as much. We need to find the guys we want and develop them into the system that we want to have. I wonder if that's something that you are expecting a little more of, say, for this year's NBA draft, and if that perhaps helps any one particular prospect rise up the board. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's interesting that you that you bring up Denver. Obviously, they just won the NBA title. They've, they've taken like several different approaches to kind of drafting and different philosophies. Like, you know, they drafted Michael Porter Jr. late in late in the lottery, which was a like a massive gamble. Um, it was kind of a boomer bust. Like, this dude could could be in the NBA and he could be a star, or this dude has back problems and like may not play. So it was like a wide range of outcomes. They get Christian Brown last year, who ends up being like a really valuable contribution, kind of a role player. Uh, several years ago, they drafted Bull Bull, who ended up slipping out of the first round unexpectedly. Another like kind of similar to Michael Porter Jr. felt like a boomer bust pick, but they're swinging for the fences. So. You know, they, they have kind of towed the line between do you want to take someone who can be, you know, a potential role player, which Christian Brown was, or do you want to take a kind of a swing and take a gamble with a Porter Jr. or a Bowl Bowl? So um, in, in this draft, I think there's a lot of players who fit kind of both categories. A couple that I think are like high upside swings. Dariq Whitehead from Duke is someone who had two surgeries on his foot. Um, he, he did not look like what he did in, in high school when he validated himself as like a clear top five prospect in his class. But I think if he was healthy, we'd be talking about him as a, as a lottery pick. And now he's had two surgeries. He's probably going to slip because of it. He didn't look great even when he did play last season at Duke, but someone who I think could slip into the teens or even into the twenties, um, who maybe in a year is, uh, is, is going to pay off as a, as a potential like top 15 player in this class. Like if you're picking in the, in the, in the late teens or the twenties, he's something I, he's someone I'd keep an eye on just because long-term potential. Um, yeah, I, I think is, is, is probably really high. There's an, uh, Brandon Pajemski from Santa Clara is someone who I'd mentioned who I think can be like a role player kind of fits in the same mold as Christian Brown, he won uh, co-WCC Player of the Year honors last season uh, alongside Gonzaga's Drew Timmy. Um, he can play both guard spots. He's, he's very fluid. He gives great energy, great effort on defense and, and has like a lot of intangibles. He's a, he's a good leader. He's kind of plays with a chip on his shoulder. So 
Um, another one who I think is, is, is similar in that, you know, he's, he's someone who you can get probably in the twenties. Um, but also someone who like, I don't think he's going to be a star in the NBA, but if we look up in a year and he's like made, making major contributions for an NBA playoff team, like wouldn't be totally surprising. So I think there's an edge for some of these sharp teams that are contending to say, Hey, we, we can get someone who we think can add value and they're not going to be a star for us maybe, but they can be like a real rotation piece for us as we kind of compete and build out our roster. Good stuff. Kyle Boone from CBS Sports, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we dive into today's MLB card right here on the BetQL Network.